Good morning, ladies. Um, thank you for the response. That makes me feel less nervous about being up here. <laughs> um, so as we've already heard a few times today, but I, it's worth reading again, um, Philippians uh, 4, 11 through 13, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. Modern society tends to equate contentment with happiness and or wealth. However, biblical contentment does not mean happiness, and it certainly does not mean wealth, or even necessarily financial security. We will get back to financial contentment momentarily. I would like to start with the idea of contentment and its relationship to happiness. Contentment, in a sense, is learning to surrender to God regardless of our circumstances. Paul points out in the verse I just read that he learns to be content in any and every situation. As I have said before, I am a chronic planner, read Control Freak, and I like to present up here from a script that I have spent hours agonizing over beforehand. Now God, in his infinite wisdom and humor, has once or twice before during this year challenged me to go out on a limb and what I am saying. And he has challenged me yet again. Let's just say this week for me has been a doozy. And I did not want to get up here and talk about it at all. Heaven forbid I get emotional, which I forgot to bring tissues up here. <clears throat> but hopefully I won't need them. And um, I hate to speak off the cuff. But I have had a lot of time on my hands this week, which you will understand why in a minute. And God has laid it on my heart repeatedly to consider my contentment given my current circumstances. A week ago yesterday, I flew to California to surprise my mother for her 70th birthday, which was this past Sunday, May 1st. My siblings and I are spread out all over the country, but we were getting together for the first time in three years um, to throw my mom this big surprise party along with all of her siblings and extended family and friends. When I arrived at the airport in California, I was greeted with the news that my mom was not breathing and had been taken to the hospital by ambulance. The hospital is over an hour from the airport, and no one could provide me with any news of her condition over the phone. The long and short of it was that my mom had gone into complete respiratory failure. Due to pneumonia, she was unaware she had. She had literally been in Florida the day before to celebrate my daughter's fifth birthday and was fine, like playing with my kids, no problem, like chasing them, carrying both of them around before she got on the plane. And I turned around the next day to surprise her, and this is what I was greeted with. Um, it, of course, the problems she was having were caused by one of those like newer superbugs that um, you know are harder to treat and no one knows that much about. So she had been put on a ventilator, and though she was stable for the moment, the doctor told us Thursday night that pneumonia is very unpredictable, and he could not tell us whether she would survive. My gut reaction was complete panic. I lost my father seven years ago in a night very similar to this one, involving airports and intubation and being told he was stable and being told by hospital staff to go home and get a little rest, only to have him pass less than an hour after I left his side. My sisters and I refused to leave my mother's side. 
We stood by the side of her bed for seven hours in the ER. I've been told they don't give you a chair if they think it's not gonna, you're not going to be there that long. So we stood by her for seven hours, and we stayed the whole time she was in ICU. During this time, my husband James and my children were back here in Florida. I was only going for two nights. And I received a text from James that had made me stop and think. If you know me, then you know that I, Bob Goff is my favorite author. He challenges me in all the right ways regarding my faith, and he makes me stop and think when I might not want to otherwise. The quote my husband sent was, I used to think God was good some of the time, but now I know he's good all of the time. I honestly felt angry when I received that text. It's easy to think that God is good all the time when things are going good. It's much harder still to know that he is good when you are in crisis. But over the next day or two, I kept going back to that quote. While I had all my siblings there for us to support each other and my mom, I remembered it. When my own mentor mom, Vicki, who just spoke, texted me and told me just to read the Psalms to my mom while she was ventilated and non-responsive because it would give both of us peace and comfort, I remembered it. When multiple women in this room prayed for and encouraged me, despite being 3,000 miles and several time zones away, I thought of it. When my mom started to come around and motioned for a piece of paper to write, and admittedly, after asking how her dogs were, (laughs) she managed to write out, I love you, uh, clear as day on a paper for me and my siblings to read. Um, When I saw that, I knew God was good. When my mom was extubated and can tell us how she managed to call 911 all by herself, she lives alone, she's a widow, um, and she said she had help knowing to use the house phone so that the ambulance, um, the paramedics could find her once she passed out, I knew God was good. When Sunday came and my mom turned 70 and my twin sister and I snuck a cupcake lit with an LED candle because you cannot bring fire in ICU, I knew God was good. The big party was not what was important. The being with my loved ones was. It was both convicting and comforting to be reminded that God is good all of the time. He isn't just good because overall I got the result I wanted. Even in the prior situation of losing my dad, God knew what he was doing. He knew it would be scarring for me to see the cardiac arrest that would ultimately end his life. He knew I had got to tell my dad on behalf of myself and all my siblings, I was the only one that made it there in time, um, how much we all loved him. And I even read him, I'll love you forever, the bedtime story he always read to me right before I left the room. He knew my dad did not want me to have to witness what was next. So both my father and my heavenly father protected me from that. Getting on a plane and leaving my mom the night before last to come back here to my own family was completely heart-wrenching. She's still in the hospital. Um, However, I made the conscious decision to trust in God and his infinite wisdom rather than try to control the situation myself. Contentment comes from trusting God and resting in his peace and his presence when otherwise there would be no peace to be had. I have a sign up in my house that reads, It is well with my soul. It's the first thing I read when I returned from my trip to California, and it spoke to me so much in that moment. Horatio Spafford, who pins that song in the 1870s, was supposed to be going to Europe with his wife and four daughters. 
At the last minute, he sent the family ahead while he was delayed on business after the great Chicago fire. While crossing the Atlantic, um, carrying his, the ship carrying his wife and four daughters sank. It collided with another vessel, and all four of Spafford's daughters died. His wife, Anna, survived and sent him the now-famous telegram, Saved Alone. Shortly afterwards, Spafford traveled to meet his grieving wife, and he was inspired to write the words to that song as his ship passed near where his daughters had died. I don't know how familiar you all are all with that song, but hearing it, you would never realize that that's what somebody was going through when they wrote it. Like every other topic we have discussed this year, the best way to teach our children contentment is to be content ourselves. This is no easy feat. Sometimes it feels impossible, and yet it is crucial to our children's ability to be content. One way to practice contentment ourselves is to avoid making comparisons. Social media has its benefits, but also breeds comparison. Keep in mind that social media often only shows the highlights of other people's lives, and often the rose-colored glasses versions of them. We should also teach our children and ourselves not to compare. Contentment focuses on what we already have. Don't fall prey to the mommy wars and do not perpetuate them either. Now, I mentioned contentment with regard to finance, and I want to come back to it for just a moment. As Vicki had mentioned the saying, um, he who dies with the most toys wins. Uh, I remember that being like a popular t-shirt slogan in the 90s, which I guess dates when my childhood was. But um, as cliche as that slogan may sound, it resonates with me as the description of where we place our priorities as a, and our trust as a society. I know I cannot be the only woman in this room who desires certain material possessions or who worries about paying bills, sending my kids to college, or funding my retirement. Financial security is one of those things I think we trust in that will provide for us when, like in our unknown future. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6 reads, Let your conduct be without the love of money. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And Matthew 6, 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and body more than clothes? We are to trust God regarding our finances as much as we trust him with our happiness. Ecclesiastes 4.6 states, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. A great way to teach our kids financial and material contentment is to manage their expectations regarding small things like a trip to the grocery store all the way to Christmas gifts or trips. When beginning a trip to the grocery store, let your children know, for example, that they can pick the cereal this week or maybe like an item or two for their lunch. Um, if they know what they get to choose to begin with, it will help stop cases of the gimme gimmies once they're there and everything is in sight. Um, with regard to gifts, remind them that Christmas or birthday lists are wish lists and not grocery lists, i.e. wants, not needs, and emphasize quality time and experiences together over material possessions. And a couple other just day-to-day -day ways you can help your children be content um, are to pray aloud with them often, 
letting them hear all for which you are grateful, from the roof over your head to the food on your table, the members of your family. If you are a stay-at-home mom, let your children hear you thank your husband for providing for you. If you work, let your children hear you thank God for providing you with that job. And when it rains, thank God for watering the plants and soil. And at bedtime or dinner each evening, ask your children to list three things for which they are grateful. Um, my husband and I do this with our kids, and being that they're two and now five, we get some interesting answers, but it's getting them to think, you know, day-to-day things that they are grateful for and ending the day on a positive note, not what went wrong that day. Help your kids understand the difference between needs and wants and happiness versus contentment. Um, Also, find opportunities to serve. Focusing on others keeps us from being egocentric and reminds us to be grateful for what we have. 1 Peter 5.5 says, And all of you must put on the apron of humility to serve one another. For the scripture says, God resists the proud but shows favor to the humble. God designed us to serve and share with others. Let your children pick an organization or cause and then serve it together as a family. And... I'll go ahead and end now um, just with one last thought. In a society that favors having what we want, let us remember to thank God for wanting what we have. Thank you.